A number of years ago when we were, when I was early in my ministry, on Saturday nights I would venture down to a church in Mesa on, on, um, on Saturday evenings to go to church because I knew on Sunday I had to set up all day and, and by the time I did church after setting up, I didn't even love the Lord anymore. So <laughs> Saturday was um, time to just worship God and there was a pastor there who caught my attention, now we're good friends, Gary Kinneman, who made a statement in one of his messages that grabbed a hold of me, has never let me go, I've wrestled with it, I've wrestled with God, I've wrestled with myself, I've wrestled with Gary, and now finally I submit to it because I think it, it sums up Galatians. He said this, if you're going to look at the Christian life, it can be summed up like this, Jesus plus nothing. And he said, that changes everything. Jesus plus nothing. If there's anything that's going to identify grace, Jesus plus nothing. And that changes everything. So let me, let me kind of tell you why I wrestle with it a little bit. I grew up in the church. So let me, if some of you are church people, Galatians will be a little bit of a struggle for you. What's the very common denominator of being a Christian? What, what's the lowest you can go to, to be? To answer the question in the book of Acts, um, how can I be saved? How, how can I have a relationship with Jesus? Let me kind of flip it around. You can talk back on me this. Over this. That, fill in the blank with this, or with a yes or no. Can a Christian smoke? Notice it was louder over on this side than <laughs> the, the smokers got that real, yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> can, can a Christian drink alcohol? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, like, one drink or two drinks? Uh, <laughs> Depending on if you're driving or not, depending on if it's playoff time and you're a Dodger fan, maybe a six-pack is okay uh, on that, okay? Can a Christian go to R-rated movies? Yeah, a little bit quieter, but yeah, okay. Can a Christian believe in abortion? Can... A Christian believe in evolution. A little bit of mumbling there on that one. <laughs> Give me a six pack, but don't let me believe in evolution. <laughs> Can a Christian have voted for Hillary Clinton? <laughs> don't answer, don't answer. No, I don't even go. <laughs> <laughs> Galatians deals with the bottom line of what does it mean to be a Christian? How then am I saved? <laughs> um, so here's what I'm going to do today real quickly. I'm going to give you three. I'm going to talk about a problem that I'm just going to simply say is religious problem. It's a religion problem. It, it's qualified by this statement, Jesus plus something. But there's good news. There's the gospel which is Jesus plus nothing. And then so you're going to say, well, then can, can I just do whatever I want? 
Can I live any way I want? Can I do all the sin? Just because I have Jesus, I can sin all I want and then go to heaven anyway. Why would I not want to do both? And we're going to deal with that at last. You ready? And if I don't offend you today, come up and talk to me afterwards because I've got more that I'm holding back than I'm afraid. <laughs> go back with me, if you will, to the Reformation, Martin Luther. You know, Halloween is a big day. And the reason, one of the reasons that we have Halloween is on the All Saints Eve, Martin Luther tapped on the, 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 the Wittenberg door in, in a, on the Catholic Church, the 95 Theses statement that is saying, I'm, I'm protesting. Martin Luther was a, a Catholic priest. Up until this time, there was one church, the Roman Catholic Church. Catholic means universal. Rome means it was centered in Rome. And Martin Luther was trying to figure it all out. And he would, he would pray for hours and hours and hours repenting of all his sin. He would pray after, after he got forgiven all his sin, he'd start feeling prideful, and so he'd have to repent from his pride, and he'd have to start all over again. He'd go for hours and hours repenting. Try, how, do I, how do I get right standing with God? He, he slept in his bed in a cold, dark room with short blankets so he wouldn't be too comfortable, so he could wake up in the middle of the night and pray and repent. The Catholic Church at this time had gone off, off, the, off the charts. It was pretty corrupt. And so when he protested, he protested against the Catholic Church, but more than anything, he wanted to stand up because God did something in his life, and it came through the book of Galatians. And here's what his, a summary of his 95 statements. Grace alone. Faith alone. Christ alone. How do, I, how do I get right standing with God? How do I get justified? It's a, it's a, justification is a legal term. How do I get in right standing with God? It's by grace alone. It's a gift. Through faith alone, nothing else. In Christ alone, no one else. And he started the Protestant movement, the Protestant Reformation. He said, I'll live with it, I'll die with it. Out of, the, out of the Protestant Reformation, where all the various denominations have come since then, out of that Protestant Reformation, opened into the Enlightenment, which led into the, really the basic foundation of the, the democratic society, democracy that we live today. And Galatians and Romans, not some just dirty old book that you blow the dust off somewhere. Galatians and Romans, a foundation of the, of the culture we live in. It's the Magna Carta of the Christian life and really of the life that we live. It's freedom based in grace and faith in Christ. So let's look at the problem a little bit. And maybe it'll, it'll make a difference in, in your life as well. And maybe, I hope you'll wrestle with this. Here's the problem. The problem is religion. Back in those days, the early church was 99.9% Jewish. You go to the, the upper room of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes. All those people in that upper room were Jewish. The early church were almost all Jews. Paul started to come along and he said, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. God loved the whole world, not just the Jewish people. He loved the whole world. I'm going to the, to the Gentiles. And as he started to bring Gentiles into the fold, the Jewish people were going, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Who are these guys? They're different than us. 
Because all the Jews grew up not only knowing the law, keeping the law, memorizing the law, living by the law, living by the feasts, and they were, if you were a male Jewish, but you were circumcised, which was going all the way back before the law, a covenant that was given to Abraham to, to show that you're one of God's people. And here come these Gentiles, and they, don't need, they live a life that is diametrically opposed from the law. And they're going, the Jews are going, this is no problem for us. Here's the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Judeo-Christian, that's who we are. That's what everybody should be. And then these Gentiles come in and they go, I, don't, I like ham sandwiches. <laughs> and they go, well, too bad. You're not going to heaven. Go to our Discover Jerusalem class, you know, afterwards. And we're going to serve kosher food and you get in there and you're eating there. You're looking, I wish I had a little ham for my bagel here. And, and then all of a sudden they write out, you know, grace alone, faith alone, Jesus come. Plus, uh, men, a uh, plus, circumcision. Can you imagine? If you're a man, you've never been so, you're, you're 45 years old, you didn't want to go to church anyway. You're there with your wife. You're waiting to get out of there, get a, a ham sandwich, and then they throw this on you. <laughs> How is that good news? <laughs> they had a very big distinct statement. It was this. Believe in Jesus and, and, and basically become a Jew. Circumcision was the, the big thing. Not to us today. It's a medical procedure. Most of us don't think twice about it. Many men are. Many men aren't. Um, in the Western world, most are. I've never done a real study on this. Uh, just <laughs> hearkening back to my junior high gym days, I'd say most <laughs> men are. I don't know. Um, <laughs> things I say that I wish I hadn't said. But, <laughs> but <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> here's the problem. Jesus plus something. Jesus plus something. In this case, it's what is this something and who gets to decide what that something is? The Jews get to decide? Okay, it's circumcision. Jesus plus circumcision equals right standing with God. Now today in our, our generation, our churches, um, we're still that way. If you're church people, you, you have trouble letting unchurch people come in because they're different. They, they're doing all kinds of crazy things. So we have our own little lists. It's Jesus plus something. If you're a Baptist, it's Jesus plus baptism, I guess. I don't know. If you're, if you're, out of, if you're like me, out of the holiness church, there's a whole list. I grew up with a list. You go off that list and you're, you're done. You're going to burn in hell forever. I went to a very conservative Christian college, church college. It wasn't as conservative as some, but we signed our, our life away on a, on a student statement that had the big five. No drinking, no dancing, no smoking, no cards, oh, and no premarital sex. That's it. You, you could be saved by grace, but if you want to stay saved, it's these five. And we used to, the, we used to laugh at the, uh, the 
there's a church school down in Texas that was really conservative. They didn't have the premarital sex one. They had no public displays of affection. So like if you held your hand, the hand of your girlfriend or boyfriend in chapel, or if you kissed them, you're out. We used to laugh. We'd say, you know why the school is against premarital sex? Because it might lead to dancing. <laughs> and so... Who makes the rules? The, the administrators made the rules, and, and it's Jesus plus that. If you're going to be a Christian, you're going to stay a Christian. Keep those. Now, I knew people that kept those five things. They weren't any more Christian than, than the man in the moon. Who makes the rules? If you're a Catholic, it's Jesus plus go to Mass and keep the sacraments. Take the sacraments. If you're Mormon, my goodness, they, they have all kinds of add-ons. Jesus plus this and this and this. and This book's okay, but add on this book. There's all. Who, who makes the rules? Jesus plus something is a problem. And Paul says, you, you got you to watch out for that. I, I love this in the second chapter of Galatians, verse 20. Really a key verse in, in the whole book of Galatians says this. I've been crucified with Christ, Paul says. I've been crucified with Christ. I died with Christ when he came in my life. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then listen to verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Paul says, I've kept the law. I've kept the law better than most of you, perhaps all of you. And I was missing Jesus. And I missed right standing with God. If you could be saved through doing the right things and keeping the law and keeping the list, I've done it. But then you don't need Jesus. That nullifies Jesus. So it's either religion or Jesus. It's not both. We who have been in religion long enough, we have settled into a little comfortable add-on to Jesus that in many cases becomes more important to us than Jesus. Jesus plus something is a problem. You think that's a big statement. Wait till you hear what Paul says in the first chapter. Paul is going like this. I get angry when I think about sin. I get angry when I think about righteousness. Proof of that is, is his letter to the Corinthian church they had more stuff going on it, it makes me blush today to read corinthians and stuff that was going on in the church he's angry he addresses it he cleaned this mess up we're not to live this way i mean he gets but not nearly as angry as he gets to the galatian church it's his anger letter he doesn't even start out with nice hey you're a good person nice nice you know he, he just gets right at it he gets right at it because worse than unrighteousness in his book is self-righteousness. God can do something with unrighteousness. God can do something with unrighteous people. He has a hard time with self-righteous people. And, and Paul says, I will, I will fight over this because the gospel is at stake here. What Jesus died for is at stake here. And so in verse 6 of, of chapter 1, he says, I'm astonished. I'm amazed. I'm shocked. 
I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel. I came in there. I told you about Jesus on the cross, dying for your sins. You accepted him. He forgave you. You're clear. You're clean. You're justified. I can't believe you're turning from that. And what happened was these, these Jewish folks, they called them Judaizers, Jewish Christians came in, and every church that Paul had planted, they came in and said, you really want to be a Christian? Here's what you got to do, circumcise, circumcise. You're, you're turning from the gospel to a different gospel, this, this thing that they're throwing at you, which is really no gospel at all. Throw good news in there. This is really not good news at all. I've given you the good news, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. That's good news. Plus circumcision, not so good different gospel it's no gospel at all evidently some people are throwing in you into confusion confusion always results from religion that's why we have so many denominations you get confused i'm not sure i believe that i'm gonna go start my own i'm gonna start my own go start my own go start my own throwing you into confusion and they're trying to pervert the gospel of christ wow but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Say it again. Let me underline this. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you've accepted, let him be eternally condemned. That hasn't, this, is, this is what he's saying, literally. To those people coming in, perverting this, damn you. What are you saying? Damn you. I wouldn't say that, but Pastor Matt cusses all the time. So. <laughs> just in church, but just damn you, damn you to hell. That's what he's saying. That's how mad he is. I mean, he, it's kind of sugarcoated there. Be eternally. Don't. No. I mean, he is so upset. Why? Why is he so upset? It's perverting the gospel. Perverting the gospel is, is, is taking the free gift, grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and makes it all performance. When you bring religion into it, when you bring law into it, when you bring your list into it, it's, it's a works-earning thing. And the gospel is all, you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, it's a free gift. And we are, we are Americans. We're performance-oriented. We grew up performing. We perform before our parents to get their approval. We perform in school to get good grades. If we get enough good grades, we get to go to a good college or a good university where we can get a good job to perform more. The more we perform, the more money we make and the more job opportunities we have. And the higher up on the, on the status we perform, and we perform, 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 perform. And we get so involved in performance that we forget that the kingdom of God turns it completely upside down. It's not about your performance. It's about a gift. And performance perverts the gift. You think you can earn it. You think you can work your way. You think you can go deeper enough through your works that others are going to look at you and think you're more spiritual and more righteous. Perverts the whole gospel. And it, it affects relationships. Because when you go on this path of self-righteousness, you can become legalistic and judgmental and hypocritical. Look back over the second chapter, if you have your Bibles or up on the screen. 
Look what happens with, with these guys. Over in verse 11 of, of chapter 2. When Peter came to Antioch, Cephas, Peter, you know, one of the disciples, comes to Antioch, which is a Gentile city. So there's not Jews there anymore. They're all Gentiles in this church that, that Paul has started that has become the center of the church. When Peter come to, came, comes to Antioch, Paul says, I opposed him to his face. I would, I would love to be there for that. Wouldn't you love to be Paul opposing Peter to his face. Paul, this little ball-headed guy with a hooked nose that's just a tiger, and Peter's this big old dude with his beard, and they're going face to face. And I'm putting my money on the little guy because Paul just, he, he's really, what's Peter going to do? I oppose him because he was clearly in the wrong. And God left that in the Bible. Peter, you're clearly in the wrong. Paul, Paul's saying to Peter, Peter, if there's anyone in this world that is extra grace required, it's you. I mean, you were known for your foot in your mouth the whole time. That's you, Peter. Peter, your son's up there. You're calling stuff down from heaven to kill people and stuff. And, and then you, when Jesus needs you the most, Peter, then you're off running. You're, you're hiding, and then you're denying him. If anybody needs grace, Peter, you're the one. But look what happened. Before certain men came from James, James comes up with some group from Jerusalem, the Jews, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. Ham sandwiches. That's what that means. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. He's hanging around with all these uncircumcised guys eating ham, and here come the Judaizers, and he goes, uh, <clears throat> and he heads over to the Jewish table. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Barnabas is the encourager. In, in the Living Bible, they call him Barney the encourager. He said nice things about everybody. But you get him around this group, and all of a sudden he's hanging with the Jews going. And, and Paul's going, but Peter, I, I smell ham on your breath. I, when I saw that they were acting, they're not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. I said to Peter in front of them all. Peter, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile, not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow the Jewish customs? Peter, you're a hypocrite. You're living like a Gentile until the Jews come in. You're living like a church person doing their little list until you're along with with all the other pagans out there, then you're living like them until the church people come in. It's hypocritical. Drives a big rift. They have a big, they have a big meeting over this later on in the book of Acts. It, it records in the 15th chapter. Do you have to be a Jew or do you have to, in order to follow Jesus or not? The good news is this. It's Jesus plus nothing. That's the gospel. Jesus plus nothing. Puts you in right standing. So by now, you ought to come to this question. Okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean I can just do anything? Live any old way? What, what about sin in my life? What about those things in my life that aren't, aren't pleasing to God? Or, does that have anything to do with anything? If you're not wrestling with that, 
You don't understand. And this is, this is where, when Gary Kinnaman and I were talking, this is, where, this is where Gary got me. He said, Don, this ought to offend you. He said, if it doesn't offend you, then you're not, you're not hearing what Paul is saying. This ought to offend church people. Because on our own inertia, we all slide into self-righteousness, a list of what we want to do. Paul later on says, let me just tell you about the list. Let me tell you about the law. If you're going to keep part of the law, you've got to keep all the law. Don't pick your five favorite things that you can do. Well, we're not about the law. We're about Jesus' teaching. Okay, do what Jesus says then. Jesus said, don't get caught up in the law. You, you're feeling pretty good because you're not a murderer. Thou shalt not murder. You're not a murderer. Good idea. Good idea. But remember last week? If you just are driving down Shea and you see Matt holding up traffic and say, Raka. that is enough it's not what your it's not your behavior it's your heart you feel pretty good about not committing adultery jesus says well let me just tell you that if you're if you're thinking wrongly toward the opposite sex that's that's committing adultery in your heart he's not trying to throw more on you he's just saying you need a savior you can't do this on your own it's not your behavior it's your heart that jesus said if your right eye offends you cut it off pluck it out I don't care how holy a church is. I've never been in the holiest of holy churches and walked out the back, heading out the sanctuary, and there was a box for right eyes to be gouged. <laughs> Leave your eyeball here. And this is, I know, I know enough of you to know this. Most of you, if not all of you, somewhere along your line, you, you, your right eye has offended you. Gouge it out if you're going to do it. You, you can't keep the law, so why do you pick five of them and think everyone else should? Can't do it. It's a heart thing. That's why Jesus, or Paul says in that second chapter again, over in verse 17, it says, you know, if we're following Jesus, does, does that mean Jesus is promoting sin? No way. Paul says, should we just keep on sinning in Romans that grace should abound? No, no way. I've been crucified with Christ, verse 20 says. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I crucify, I die with Christ. I'm crucified with him. My old self, my self of sin and unrighteousness is, is dying. It's, it's narrowing out. And the new life in Christ is opening up. It's a heart thing. It's a relationship thing. It's not a list. It's a, it's a love relationship. I want to I please him. I want to love him. I want to serve him. A, a crude illustration would be... I, 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 my, I love my wife. My wife loves me so much. As, as I know she loves me so much, I can just... I can just sleep around with anybody now because she loves me so much. That's, that's craziness to say I can just live any way I want because God loves me so much. Because God loves me so much, I want to do whatever pleases God. This is a new commandment. Love others as I love you. I want to treat people as Christ would treat people. Not just what a list says. You want to be my disciples. If you love me, keep my commandments. There are some things the Bible is very clear about. I want to live my life because I know it pleases God. There are some things that break Christ's heart. He weeps over. I pray, break my heart as well for the things that break your heart, Jesus. Because I want to live my life trying to fix what breaks your heart in this world. I want my old selfish interests to die out. And I want to feed what you, you have for me. 
I don't know if it's on the slide or not. Put that last slide back up there. I, I can't remember if I put this on here or not. Is there something after that? Ah, I don't change to get Jesus in me. I don't even change to keep Jesus in me. Next one. I receive Jesus by faith, and his life in me changes me. His life in me changes me. Jesus plus nothing changes everything. So why do I do what I do? I want to, I want to nurture Jesus in my life. Why do I want to go to the growth track classes? Because through that, I start to learn more how to love Jesus and how to have him grow within me. Why do I want to go to the baptism class? And not understand? Because as I, as I follow after him, I know I'm pleasing him. It's a different thing than that's saving me, but it's nurturing me. Here's my question for you today as we close. Have you, have you crossed that line so that Jesus is living in you? Here's what's easier to do. It's easier to be religious. It's easier to come to church and find the list of what this church really, really believes and reinforces and try to live by that. It's easier to go to church somewhere and get five principles on how to do this and how to do life. And it's easier to keep it like that. But here's, here's the truth of the matter. It's about Jesus in you. It's about the relationship in you. It's a gift. Grace alone through faith, would you come live in me, in Christ alone, and nothing else but Jesus? I wonder today if for some of you, you you'd want to make this that starting point. You've relied on works, you've relied on religion, you've relied too much on, on, on what other people think or say. And today's the day you just simply say, Jesus, come in. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray a prayer with you, and I, I would invite you to respond in different ways. You might want to come and write down a, a prayer on, on the cross, maybe a prayer of repentance or acceptance. You might want to go light a candle that just says, this is the time for the darkness to go and the light of Jesus to, to live in my life, and I'm inviting you in my life. It might be communion. I want, to, I want to ingest the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. I want Jesus to come live in me. It might be you need prayer. And, there's a prayer group that meets out, out the doors in the connection room. It might be just where you're at right now. With this simple prayer, you'd say something like this. Jesus Christ, I know I fall short of what you created me to be. Would you forgive me? Would you come and live in my heart, in my life? Would you help my old self die off? That I'd make room for you to live in me? and through me that my life would be grace-filled, that I would come to you through grace and I would live in grace. Through faith, I believe it, I accept it, and I give myself to Christ alone. I pray in your name. We love you, Lord Jesus.